0: So I farm so hard, the employees want to find me, wanna find and me. then want to hire me, what's hundred K to a guy like me, could you please remind me, farm so hard, this ain't easy, working late nights, you best believe me, my grades can only go ace. never want to see another B unless I'm Jay-Z, farm so hard, let's get paid.
1: Alright, yes, welcome to farm so hard, my name is Dr. Santalo and I'm a farmer, and operations and compliance coordinator, and I'm here with one of my super turns, one of my learners.
0: Hi everyone, my name is Joanna. I'm a fourth year pharmacy student I'm from the University of Florida.
1: Yeah, today we're talking about workload and productivity, specifically focusing on external benchmarking and just a brief overview. So, this is part one, so we're gonna be three episodes of workload and productivity and how that impacts you all. So, starting with definitions what is benchmarking? Finding and implementing the best practices it involves measurement of products, services, and practices compared to other industry leaders. Cost of healthcare has increased, patient care settings have changed and profit margins are shrinking. Uh, Health system administrators are turning to benchmarking vendors for help in improving operational performance. Joanna, you mind telling us about what is the definition of efficiency?
0: Yeah, sure. So efficiency basically means trying to avoid waste or maximizing your possible outputs from a set of resource inputs. And healthcare providers have an incentive to maximize efficiency so that they can generate profit, reinvest in their business, and more fully meet their mission.
1: And another term we'll be coining to you guys is productivity. And that is defined as the efficient use of resources, labor, capital, land, materials, energy, information in the production of various goods and services. And Could also be equated to a formula, which is your total total earned hours over your total actual hours. Um, We'll talk about that when we get to part three of benchmarking. So transitioning over again, you know, I like to practice evidence-based admin. Uh, This is based off of a Steve Rouse article in AJHP on workload and productivity. Feel free to go ahead and reference that as we review this episode. So Joanna, kicking it off to you first, what is the importance or relevance of this topic to the pharmacy administrator and pharmacy practice in general?
0: So it's important because we need to know how, com- how we are doing compared to others and how well we're managing our resources. And our ultimate goal is to find and implement the best practices of peer organizations.
1: And more background information on external benchmarking systems. Uh, Vendors without expertise in pharmacy practice often sell benchmarking metrics that ultimately result in the downsizing of pharmacy departments and services. So a lot of times these would be like consulting pharmacists or consulting firms, and they'll kind of compare you to other organizations and essentially that you may need to decrease labor or other strategies to decrease costs. There is an inversely proportional relationship that often exists between pharmacy labor costs and drug expenditures. Reduction in pharmacy labor costs may ultimately result in higher hospital drug expenditures. So it's almost like a pendulum, so it's all really dependent on what your executive leaders would like you to focus on, whether it's labor or it could be also costs. So, for the benchmarking overview, when benchmarking is applied solely based on cost or a number of comparisons without considering quality outcome measures, the results may become meaningless. And, Joanna, do you think there's a gold standard?
0: No, there's really no gold standard for measuring health system pharmacy product productivity that has been published. Although many pharmacy productivity workload ratios have been published, uh, most are based on simple labor efficiency metrics that are tied to orders processed, doses that are billed for, and full-time equivalents utilized per discharge.
1: Yeah, and in most cases, clinical activities are not included, so if you provide ambulatory care services, those are going to be difficult to capture. Uh, Today's benchmarking systems provide little or no specific data on the efficient practices used at similar facilities, or no specific data on core pharmacy operational similarities exist. And then again, for automation, it could be a limitation because used for benchmarking purposes is available through a limited number of commercial vendors, and vendors would be unlikely to re- reveal what the recipes are because it could be a huge conflict of interest. So, how is this applicable to practice at our current institution, Joanna?
0: So. What does pharmacy look like to executives? It looks like an expensive department that, that many executives don't really understand. And there's a lot of budget challenges, solely expense rather than an investment. And. Also, we need to quantify quality. And so, as a result, healthcare providers must make operational decisions to ensure appropriate resource and budget allocations, identify opportunities for financial and operational performance improvement, and quantify the return on investment of their performance improvement initiatives. And the goal, again, is to find and implement the best practices of peer organizations.
1: Now, this part's fun. I'm excited for this part. (laughs) So, Joanna is going to read out what... The ability is of benchmarking, kind of like the good things they can do, and then I'm going to try to rip it apart and give you the limitations of each ability. So, Joanna's going to read one pro, and I'm essentially going to give the con right after that. Alright, go ahead. Start it off, Joanna. What you got for me?
0: Alright, so benchmarking has the ability to determine the value and effectiveness of pharmacy services.
1: So, that would be under the assumption that all pharmacy departments value the same thing. So it's dependent on whether if it's operational efficiency or clinical efficiency and depending on the demographic of patients that they serve or also the vision of that director of pharmacy or the vision of just their overall health system. They all thinking the same thing. So that's not entirely true.
0: Well, benchmarking also has the ability to provide an effective management tool for quantifying how much time is spent on various types of cognitive work.
1: So everyone has different workflows. They have different practice models. Their RVUs may be different. RVUs be, being relative value units. So for example, is most of that pharmacist time at that one hospital? Is it in order verification or is that time mainly spent in dispensing or is it triaging or is it consults? It's all really depend on the practice model and it could even depend on if it's an academic versus a community health system. So again, there's some challenges there.
0: Benchmarking also has the ability to provide a comparison with similar institutions to identify problems and establish appropriate attainable goals for your institution.
1: So similar institutions can provide different clinical services and they have different patient demographics. So like an example of like a pediatric hospital that may have the same bed size but one does transplant, the other one does not. So again, they're going to have different goals.
0: Benchmarking can also show health system administrators the value of pharmacy services.
1: So again, this is also dependent on what the scoring system that we, that was used or identified at that benchmark. and we'll describe that in a much deeper context in the next episode.
0: It can identify opportunities to reduce costs.
1: So the other thing is too, is to make sure is that whether or not they're not comparing to other 340b or non-340b hospitals, if you are a 340b hospital, or other clinical services provided. So it's just making sure that if you're comparing me to someone, make sure that they provide the same services I do.
0: Benchmarking can enable assessment of initiatives by comparing their effectiveness with similar efforts of similar institutions.
1: So how are you quantifying these initiatives? Is what the vendor offering, is that practice evidence based?
0: Benchmarking can quantify the potential range of performance improvement opportunity compared with
1: that of your peers. So, how are they going to accomplish this? I think this is cool in theory, but I haven't read or seen this actually ever being accomplished because a lot of times, for, in terms of performance improvement, a lot of health systems kind of use their own internal kind of scoring and making sure that number is actually evidence based. So, it's kind of similar to what the previous statement was like, is it evidence based in terms of how we quantify it?
0: And lastly, benchmarking can determine the appropriate next steps towards achieving cost reduction targets, including labor expenses, supply expenses, and service utilization improvement.
1: So, normally, after you bring in these vendors, they normally recommend to reduce labor, and how do they incorporate automation in the equation? Like, if you're, are you comparing me to a hospital that has IV robots? Like, that's not really fair. Um, do they have something that can show how drug expenditure would increase with a reduction of labor? also. Kind of like we discussed earlier with how the pendulum swings. So, if you promise promised I could reduce labor in terms how am I actually going to reduce drug costs as well. And there are some other limitations. Inpatient drug expenses may be combined with drug expenses from hospital clinics, infusion centers, procedure areas, etc. Uh, revenue adjustment factors based on ratio of total inpatient and clinic pharmacy charges to inpatient pharmacy charges. Uh, Departments that provide a higher level of outpatient clinical pharmacy services have a disadvantage in terms of reporter productivity ratios and labor expenses compared with peer departments that do not provide these services if they include clinic worked hours and labor expenses into their inpatient expenses.
0: And also, a single type of patient and his or her medication expenses can significantly change the reported cost performance between two otherwise similar pharmacies. So this goes back to what Oscar was saying about transplant medications, but this also includes antibiotics, anti-infective agents, chemotherapy, blood factors, etc.
1: Other things that the article also noted, clinical activity measures ambiguous and can be unclear and lack meaning. Uh, reporting of pharmaceutical manufacturer rebates or expired drug credits are not normally applied into their formulas. Uh, disproportionate share contract 340B participation is not readily flagged in vendor systems. So just making sure that if you're a 340B hospital, you're compared to another 340B hospital, etc. And also vendor reported labor costs and productivity ratios, suggested key performance indicators, are flawed and often used inappropriately within organizations. So we quickly ran through a bunch of things about just what external benchmarking is in general. Joanna, can you provide us with the summary?
0: Definitely. So I think in summary, it's important to note that external benchmarking can help see where your pharmacy department stands with other departments, and understanding who is in the peer group and components of their formula is significant. Um, But there are also many, many limitations, like we discussed. um, To mention a few, there's no gold standard or evidence-based literature on this. There's variability to which pharmacy departments provide distributive and clinical services also, we are unable to incorporate outpatient services into these formulas, and vendors do not easily identify peer groups or reveal components of their formula."
1: What Joanna was saying about that is that they won't really tell you specifically everyone they're comparing you to. They may give you one or a handful, so it's very important to kind of get that list if you are kind of negotiating with these vendors. So great, all great points, Joanna. And again, limitations of this article, it is an older article. But it does appear to be well-researched, and it's definitely unbiased. A lot of great information from this article. Um, I believe it still holds water today. So, again, uh, we're going to wrap up, and then hopefully you guys listen in for part two. Coming to you guys soon. Joanna, you did a great job. Thank you, audience, for listening in. And again, I'm Dr. Oscar Santalo, and I'm with...
0: Joanna Longera. Yeah.
1: All right. Thank you, guys. You guys have a great day.
0: Thank you.